0: To the Employer Blueprint Podcast, where we help leaders build great teams for great companies with your host, entrepreneur and leadership coach, Kyle Gorman. Well, as I've shared before, sometimes the world of marketing, business marketing, just seems like this black hole. It seems like a vacuum. It's it's like there's a lot of information out there, but it's hard to really understand fact from fiction. It's hard to understand what we actually do with all of the information that's available to us. On today's episode, our guest Charlie Wyman comes from us uh, from the United Kingdom, and um, she is an expert in this space. And today, she's actually going to share some specifics with us and helping us understand kind of where to start, the questions to ask, what to think about to help in our marketing efforts, to help in how we message and brand uh, our company, and making sure that not only we do this, but the people around us are able to do this and convey that message properly. So I really look forward to sharing this information and the tips that she's able to bring to us um, and certainly appreciate her taking the time to do that. I do want to encourage you to hit that subscribe button so you can get all of the latest content. I also want to remind you that if you have any questions, if there's anything you'd like to hear more about, you can contact me directly at podcast at com. I want to thank you for joining us this week on the Employer Blueprint Podcast, where we can help your business grow, we can help your business scale, help you lead a high-performing and productive team. And one of the things we talk about fairly frequently is the marketing side of our business. And, this, and there's a lot of questions and uncertainty that happen around the marketing side of our business, how we create the right message, how we get that message out. Um, And so I'm I'm really excited about having our guest on this week, Charlie Wyman, coming all the way uh, from Nottingham and uh, across the pond. So for those of you that uh, are joining us from the United States, uh, Charlie has had to travel quite a way through Zoom to be able to join us today. So really appreciate her knowledge and expertise and her willingness to come on the show and share with us. Um, Charlie, as we get started here, uh, why don't you kind of walk us through your history and experience? You've got um, a lot of experience and, and sort of um, a personal journey through entrepreneurship and how that's ultimately led to where you are. Why don't you tell us what that journey has looked like?
1: Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's great to great to be here. So, yeah, I've, I've got a very varied and kind of colorful career history, really. Um, I grew up around business. Uh, both my parents had Uh, small businesses. My father had a sort of a car garage where, you know, we had a petrol station, a service department, and we used to sell new and used cars. And then my mum used to sell children's clothing. So two very, very different types of business. And um, I was always very involved in my dad's business. Uh, My mum's business had, they were burgled quite a lot. And, um, you know, it it didn't survive. So it was was quite traumatic on that sense. Mm -hmm. But I got quite involved with my dad's business, like helping him with the accounts, working on the the petrol station forecourt, dealing with the customers, dealing with the staff and Mm -hmm. just really experiencing what it was like to run a very customer centered relationship driven business. Yeah. And then as I grew up, I thought I wanted to become an engineer. So I went to university to study engineering and I quickly realized that I was not going to be an engineer. I was good at it, but it didn't float my boat. Yeah. So I, um, <clears throat> I then decided that I was going to leave and I got a job for a year working customer service and insurance. Mm-hmm. And something still didn't feel right. So I then moved to Sardinia. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Got something caught in my throat. Wow. Anyway, um, yeah, then I moved to Sardinia and I wanted to travel. My parents had just bought a property because they'd sold their business and decided to retire. So they just bought a property out in Sardinia which had... um 160 olive trees in the back garden but nothing had happened with those trees for many many years yeah. so I went to help my dad renovate the house and to turn this old olive grove into a productive um sort of olive oil making machine essentially yeah so I learned everything there was to know about olive oil and decided to start my first business which was selling the olive oil in the UK so I used to drive it over mm-hmm. there sell it on market stalls and then start selling other um other produce from the country. Yeah. Uh, and then I think that was really my first taste of marketing because I essentially was still of an engineering mindset, essentially right. trying to develop a brand, uh, trying to market a product. And I think I, I realized that, you know, people didn't buy olive oil because of its low acidity levels and the way it was produced and all these things. They <laughs> wanted to know the story behind it. They wanted to feel part of the, you know, the brand and the company right. and they, they wanted to enjoy the taste uh, and the experience of the olive oil. And that was my biggest sort of light bulb moment where it kind of, it, it twigged and that business, it wasn't a very profitable business, but it was good fun doing it. And then when I came back to the UK, I got a job for an organization called Sports England, which was all about uh, funding local sports teams, sports clubs and helping them get more people involved in sport. So still very experience driven, uh, still all about those relationships and also very focused around events and um, communicating a clear message to your audience. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's kind of how I ended up on uh, the radar of one of my project managers, because she had a word with me at an event that we went to and said I needed to go and speak to her husband's company. Uh, There was an engineering company uh, in in Nottingham. I knew nothing about the technology. I knew nothing about the industries that they worked in yet somehow ended up with the job of marketing assistant for this company. Mm -hmm. So I was a one person marketing team with no solid background in marketing, (laughs) but just a real curiosity around what was going on. Yeah. So, and that really was was the start for me, because within about two and a half years, I ended up being promoted to the global head of sales and marketing, looking after our operations across the UK, the US, South Africa, and in Australia. Mm-hmm. And we were selling laser scanning technology to pretty much a global audience and many, many different industries. And it was that kind of age old problem where we could help so many different people and we could help so many different industries. And I think it's a sort of typical B2B challenge where you just want to market to everybody that would benefit from the product. Mm -hmm. And we were a small company with a limited budget. It was just me doing it. And it was all just a big challenge. And I remember working with a consultant that came in and they were like, well, so who are you targeting? And we were like, well, um, anybody in the surveying industry. (laughs) And they were like, Okay. (laughs) That's quite a a broad market. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I remember working with this consultant and I remember doing a lot more research into effective B2B marketing tactics. And the kind of key theme was to really refine your audience and and get to know them a little bit better. Right. And one of the reasons why I ended up in sales was because I used to travel around the world to all of these different events and trade shows. Mm-hmm. And I kept hearing the same questions keep cropping up all the time. And I also kept hearing questions that some people weren't willing to ask because they worried about appearing stupid. Um. So, so that's where I started doing content marketing. I didn't really know that that's what I was doing at the time. Right. But... I started publishing the answers to those questions and I started using LinkedIn as that medium to um, publish content and also keep in touch with the people that was meeting at these events. Mm -hmm. And as a result, over time, I was seen as that trusted go-to person in the industry and people would come to me to ask me questions and people would respond to me about what what was going on. So. So that's kind of how I ended up in sales. And it it wasn't through wanting to get into sales. It was just because I was willing to answer questions. I was very approachable, trustworthy, you know, all of the things that that we now know you need in in sales. Yeah. Um, so I was I was with that company for six years and had a wonderful time and and loved it. And then I moved to another company that worked in the shipping industry. Mm -hmm. And I was there for about a year before realizing that I really wanted to help more people and more companies and make global impact. I wasn't quite sure how that was going to work out because I think I I quit on a bit of a whim. I went into work one day and I was like, I'm leaving. I'm going to set up my own business. I don't know how that (laughs) looks yet, but this is what I'm going to do. (laughs) So And that's what I did. I got my first two clients in week one from LinkedIn, just through like leveraging my network. And I started doing the marketing for people before then realizing that where I love working is I love teaching and coaching and empowering people to be able to do things themselves to be able to make informed decisions because I really do believe and from experience you don't need a huge marketing budget and you don't need a huge amount of time to market effectively there's just Mm -hmm. a way of leveraging the skills and the assets that you have at your fingertips to do more Mm -hmm. and Uh, yeah that that kind of brings me to today
0: (laughs) well and I think that's really great especially in that market that you're serving as you mentioned um You know, working with these small business owners where they're trying to figure this out on their own. And generally speaking, small business owners are great in their industry. And I talk about this a lot. You know, they're great in their industry. They understand their product or service better than anybody. They can explain it better than anybody. They're oftentimes pretty good at sales and how to sell that. But sales and marketing, although work hand in hand, are still different and in being able to um, create that pipeline to generate those leads to um, to actually market and kind of create a message that as you talk about going back to the olive oil you know they didn't care about the acidity they cared about the story and how it made them feel well oftentimes as small business owners uh, we don't think about those things you know we don't it, it's it's hard to start a message or start an email with you it start it's hard to help help us understand um, how this impacts you and why you would even care to listen as opposed to saying, I started this, I do this, this is what I do. And so I think it's great that you're serving that market because there's such a huge need there. Um, And to your point, even being able to do so with a fairly low budget because it can sometimes feel like this is a black hole that just sucks all of our money away because we throw a lot on the wall, not really knowing what's going to happen without a good strategy in place.
1: Yeah. And I think with, B2B marketing, especially because it's so difficult to track ROI from B2B marketing. Yes, yeah. It's one of those, that I think either people feel overwhelmed by it, so ignore it and pretend it's not happening or get too consumed with the detail, the analytics, uh, yeah. the the measurement side of things, and then miss out on all the amazing opportunities like that you're doing every day. You just need to kind of amplify what it is that you're doing. Yeah. Um. But I spoke to a university earlier today and everybody kept asking me about measurement and analytics. And I sort of said, it's it's impossible in B2B mm. to really understand which campaign is generating the biggest return on investment because you need an integrated approach. And you know, just because you get leads from one part of your marketing, you get the conversions from another. And more often than not, you know, somebody's looked at all of your other areas of marketing before actually giving you that lead in the first place. So right. it, it is so difficult.
0: Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that I know that's been important to you as well that I'd like you just to touch on is um, uh, sports, athletics, and kind of the the uh, that's been a big part of your life over the years. So why don't you tell us what that has looked like and and maybe kind of what led you out of that, but then led you into the ability to coach and help others in that arena?
1: Oh, it's a great question. Um, you may have to cut me short because I can talk about this all day. <laughs> I love sports. Um, yeah. What's interesting though, I love sports, but I wasn't always. Into sports, mm-hmm. so it was only when I moved to Sardinia that I actually started doing sports myself. Okay. So up until the age of twenty, I I raced go-karts, but not very well. Um, mm-hmm. It was kind of like just dabbling in it, and I didn't do anything else. I was a lazy kid. I liked computer games. I liked you know sort of being outside, but I, I wasn't active in any sense of the word. Yeah, and. I wanted to meet people when I moved to Sardinia because I didn't speak Italian and a lot of people there didn't speak English either. Right. So I always liked the idea of rowing. And in my head, I was like, oh, how hard can it be? It just looks really nice and beautiful. <laughs> Little did I realize that actually right. rowing, it's, um, it's a tough sport. And I started running. I got a bit fitter. I lost a bit of weight so I could fit in the boat. And I really I felt like I found my calling. And... So I started rowing more and more. I started competing. And then when I came back to the UK, I started getting some proper coaching. And unfortunately, I was, I was hit by a car on my bicycle while cycling home from work one day, which meant that I had to stop competing for the time, but I could coach. Yeah. So I did a rowing coaching qualification and started coaching rowing. And it was, it was weird because I was a terrible manager before I did that coaching qualification terrible um i didn't understand why people had to follow each and every single step and this is why i would make a terrible engineer because i don't look at a plan and think right i've got to go from a to z by following each letter of the alphabet i go mm, well you could go from a to m and then maybe you could skip a few steps and then go right <laughs> to that right, right and i didn't understand like my team were going a b c d and i was like getting really frustrated with it yeah But then I did this rowing coaching qualification and then I started exploring different ways of leading teams. And I think that was a real turning point for me.
0: Yeah.
1: And then I started reading loads of books about sports leaders, about famous sports coaches. And I think that for me was where I got really excited about business management and marketing Mm -hmm. and understanding the real, you know, the the way that you can learn so much from sports leadership and you can also take a lot from business leadership and the two work well together. So Yeah. So I think that coaching thing always has always followed me through. And also the companies that I've worked for as well have encouraged a more coaching style of management and leadership than like traditional appraisals and management and, you know, right. meetings. And yeah. you know what? It's been successful. And I find that you, you get much more from a person when you coach them instead of try to manage them.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, and that's why I thought it was important. And I wanted to bring that up because... I think that one, I, I'm, I'm, um, I'm a big advocate of sports for people in general, um, even if it doesn't help with athleticism or physical fitness. I just think that sports teaches us so much. I mean, as you kind of mentioned there, just the things that you learn about being able to hear a challenge, hear that that criticism, and take that on as this is my challenge. I'm going to fight through it. Um, Being able to uh, just, I think it creates a different drive in people. And so I'm a big advocate for um, sports and athletics just for individuals. And But the other reason is because I think it's important for people to understand that's a big part of what has developed your personality into what it is in being a coach of marketing, you know, that to your point of kind of understanding, there's a step-by-step process. So we can't just, you know, if we're trying to market a, a B2B company and we're going to go out on LinkedIn and do it, we can't just say, great, we're just going to launch this huge you know, a LinkedIn strategy, and you're going to get leads. There's a plan, and we kind of have to work through that process. and And a lot of those things learned from the coaching side of, um, of of rowing. And so that's why I think it's important to kind of your overall story because it's really helped develop the way that you approach things. Because you have that coach's mind as opposed to just simply, well, I know how it needs to get done. I'm going to tell you how it needs to get done, and just do it. There's there's always a different approach whenever you come to it um, as a as a coach and you know so I coach American football and um, and that's one of the things you know I've had to learn is I can't just say we'll just do this like you have to kind of go through these steps of we're going to put our foot here we're going to have our hands here we're going to you know all these little things and then once it all goes together it's kind of this beautiful machine that that operates and the same holds true businesses. Um, the first thing we have to start off with in marketing is a plan and a strategy to understand where we want to get to. So we want to get from A to Z. Now, how do we go through B, C, D, E, F to finally get there? And, um, and so I think it is I think it is an important part of what's ultimately developed the strategies that you use in helping your clients. <coughs> um,
1: it's interesting that you say that because like, I view marketing as a a team sport. Even if there's only one person in the company responsible for marketing, it's still a team sport because marketing does run through the entire business. It's not just about running campaigns and doing these things. It's like yeah. it's how your customer service team handle clients once they've already bought what right. you're selling. It's how your um, your staff onboard new hires. It's how people talk about the company when they're not at work and it, it does right, really need to run through the entire business. Yeah. Um, I see it cause I'm a, a huge formula one fan. Um, I, I named my son Ayrton <laughs> um, and I just think that, you know, like everybody sees the driver as the uh, the kind of main main person and everybody thinks it's all about the driver but when you actually watch formula one and you actually get into it it's not about the driver that's there's you know there's how the car's designed it's how it's built once that design comes through it's how the team is led it's how the strategy plays out it's about understanding you know those different pivotal points and you know like we were talking about the current situation um with with the virus at the moment and if you have contingency plans and you have a good way of looking at the overall business strategy, when you are in a time of crisis, you can then think, right, okay, how can we pivot or how can we adjust what we're doing to match the current situation? So we're not crumbling or we're not uh, responding from a place of fear or panic. We're responding in a very logical systemized way that we've in one way anticipated i mean it's hard to anticipate a situation like this but right. you know you're anticipating the fact that you may need to pivot you may need to adjust and change
0: right right well and you're exactly right you know the the, the challenge of course as we're recording now we're kind of right in the middle of this covid19 coronavirus pandemic and um you're feeling it in the UK, uh, just as we're feeling it in the United States. I know you would mentioned your parents in Italy. Um, and so, you know, there there's this global impact that's happening right now. And and I believe you're right. There are certain things we, we can't ever plan for every possible option that's gonna come our way, but we can plan for contingencies. We can plan for the what ifs. And if this happens, if that happens, how can we adjust? If, if for whatever reason, we have a disruption in business. What can we do about it? Um, and, I, and I think times like this, when we're in the middle of a situation like this and we kind of have this downtime, I've been speaking about this quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. This is really a great time for us to step back and think about, okay, where are we going to be when we come out of this? Is that where we want to be? Were we headed in the right direction? Had we gotten off track and we need to get back on track? How can we take this downtime to more clearly articulate our message, to become even more focused on who we are and what we do, as opposed to saying, well, gosh, you know, everything stopped. I don't know what to do. We're done. This is actually a great time to refocus that. Um, And so, to to that point, I know one of the things that you – help with is is that that messaging. You know, you talked about how it kind of goes through the whole company. It's not just a strategy, but that through throughout the organization, it's how you talk to your customers, how you talk to your friends, peers, um, family members, colleagues. It's the messaging that you use. It's the emotion that gets drawn from that. So, is there anything in particular that you generally see whenever you start working with someone or they, they call you and want to talk to you about their business and about the marketing side of that? Are there any kind of traditional or normal mistakes you often see people making right from the get-go that you just have to try to help change a mindset for?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think we we touched on this before we hit record, which was around um, the the challenge that a lot of companies just want to talk about themselves. Poured their heart, their soul, the blood, sweat, and tears into it. Yeah. that they want to talk about the product. They want to talk about how they've done that and implemented that and got it out there. And that is the biggest mistake because as horrible as it sounds and as hard as it is, your customers are not interested in you or the product or what went into making it. Your customers are interested in the outcomes that that product or that service delivers. Mm -hmm. So the more you can position your messaging around the customer and about the person or people that you're trying to target, the more successful that you will be. Yeah. So that that really is is the biggest challenge is that it's very, very focused around um the, the company and not focused around the customer.
0: Right, right. And that that makes perfectly good sense. And you're exactly right. At the end of the day, our customers really don't care about us. They care what's in it for them. And um and so we've got to figure out how we convey that message. Um, So do you have any uh, maybe initial tips on how to do that? What are some things we initially need to start thinking about in our, in our business, whatever product or service we have to help us start to think about why would someone care? What would make them interested in this? How can we evoke emotion from something that, you know, to us is just a great product or a great service. What are some things that we need to be thinking about or questions we need to ask ourselves to help us understand that?
1: So one of one of the easiest things to do is to actually um, take a step back and, and write out your story um, because these companies are so used to talking about themselves, but they don't necessarily realize that that's what they're doing because if, if you ask them to talk about themselves, they probably feel quite uncomfortable about it. Mm-hmm. So I always recommend write out your story, but really position it in a way to why did you start out on this journey in the first place? Mm-hmm. Like, Nobody goes into business because you think it's easy. Like (laughs) business is not easy. (laughs) You know, you make so many sacrifices uh, to set up your own business. So why did you want to do this? Why did you want to make those sacrifices to do this? Why did you choose the particular target market that you've chosen to help? Mm -hmm. What do you enjoy most about helping them? And can you tell the stories about how you've helped particular customers? Mm -hmm. And the more you can tell that story, the more you can understand A, what gets you excited about the business because your target customers will buy into that. That is something that will help you set you out from other people in your industry. Mm -hmm. But then also it'll help you understand who you're targeting, what problems you solve, how you help them, and also what makes you different. And those are kind of key things that really do need to stand out in your marketing. But really focus it around the outcomes. So I always say, keep asking what if, or keep asking why. Mm -hmm. So if you're talking to a customer... And you're saying, right, okay, we've got this incredible product that um, delivers you know, 20% savings year on year through this, this amazing piece of software. Right. Um, you know, why does it do that? Not w- how does it do that, but why does it do that? Yeah. Why would somebody need to generate that amount of savings per year? Mm. Um, and then when they give you the answer, ask them why again. Keep asking why until they can't respond anymore.
0: Right.
1: Because sometimes it's those whys that come right at the end that then really reveal what are those key challenges and those key point points. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you use it as um, you know, like you work in, in recruiting and staffing, it's like, why does somebody need New staff, or why would somebody need to spend money on recruiting the right or the perfect member of staff? It's not just because they need somebody to fill a seat or fill a chair in the company. It's they don't want to waste loads of money training the wrong person to then have to then do it all over again. They want to make sure that they've got the right person so that onboarding period is as short as possible and that they have somebody that can hit the ground running or they have the right person that can help propel the business forward. You know, and like all of these ancillary benefits. And the more you can write out those, the more you can then relate it back to the end customer. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like it's, and and that's why like everything I do is all driven around curiosity. You want them to trust you. You want them to like you and you want them to want to know more and keep knowing more. And then after that, you want to get that commitment, whether it's a commitment to a demo, whether it's a commitment to a phone call, whether it's a commitment to a meeting or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then finally you want to get that commitment for a sale. Once you've got that commitment for a sale, it's like an ecosystem. You go back to curiosity. You want to make them curious about what else they, can, what else you can help them with and then apply that process again. And it's just a case of rinse and repeating, but driven by a, a place of giving, not a place of taking. Like, what can you do right. for your customers and for your market rather than what can they do for you? Yes. Yeah.
0: And I think that's a key point right there when you talk about a place of giving instead of a place of taking. And I think that is one place that, whether it's a salesperson or a business owner that's, you know, the kind of focusing on the sales role, it's a big mistake. There's a, there's a tendency to, um, to always be thinking about what can I get? How can I sell this? How can I get, you know, how can I, I benefit, uh, financially as opposed to thinking in terms of how can I help you? What information can I provide? What resources can I give you? And, you know, you you talk about that, and I wanted to take just a second to to cover this as well. That um, early in the stages of your business, you know, you you heavily leveraged uh, LinkedIn. You had built these relationships, and one of the things you started doing was answering the questions that people um, weren't asking or uncomfortable in asking, or that some were asking. You knew that others wanted answers to, and and that's kind of the way that I sometimes think about it. Is like, hey, I've had the same question twice in the last week there's more people that want to know this. So I'm just going to put this out there. Um, And so that's one way that you kind of um, built, built the credibility in, in your market and ultimately built a lot of your business. So, um, as as we look at LinkedIn, that's an area that you specialize, what are, what's something that someone out there that maybe isn't using LinkedIn hardly at all, or they're using it just barely to share some um, industry articles and things like that? What, where do they need to start just to start leveraging this LinkedIn network that they potentially have?
1: Great question. Um, the, the biggest area that you need to focus on is your profile hmm. without a shadow of a doubt. And not just your profile. Profile of everybody else that works for you or with you. Um, And the reason why I say this is that even if you do nothing else on LinkedIn, make sure that your profile is an accurate representation of what you want other people to see you as. Right. Um, The reason why I say this is that if somebody was to Google you, then your LinkedIn profile will come up on those search results. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing as well is that if you went to an event, for example, or if somebody else started talking about you, people are starting to look up use LinkedIn as a place to look you up and find out more about you. Right. So even if you do nothing else, you want to make sure that your profile accurately represents you. Um, and also it's not your online resume. Um, you know, even if you're looking for a job, your right. LinkedIn profile shouldn't be your online resume because mm-hmm. if you're applying for a job, you'll send your resume over resume. anyway. Yeah. You know, your, <laughs> your profile is like your online billboard and it's your place mm-hmm. to showcase to the world who you are who you want to work with, who you help, who you serve, right. um, and what makes you really good at it. You know, mm-hmm. it's your place to show your authority in your market and then back it up with credibility. You know, yeah. have a look at those recommendations, the social proofs, the mm-hmm. examples, you know, show, don't tell, um, and, and really position yourself as that expert. So that that really, if you do nothing else, then that's the place to do it. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing as well is if you are just sharing industry-related articles, uh, stop doing that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> LinkedIn don't like it when you just share links to blog articles, you know, curated content, right. and all of this other stuff. LinkedIn is a place for you to start a conversation with your market, to open up a dialogue with people, yeah. to engage with them in a meaningful way, not... It's not a broadcasting platform, you know, right. it's not a place where you just put information out and hope somebody reads that. It really is a place to, to engage with the people that you right. And you can invite them into the conversation, you can help them be successful by showcasing how they're leveraging your services, your technology, you know, there's okay. loads of different ways that you can do that. You can do it with your clients, you can do it with your partners, if you're working with agents and distributors, you can do it with your employees. So set your employees up to succeed, help them position themselves as experts in their industry because they're representing your company. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you want to elevate them. Um, And it's, you know, there is one caveat to that because a lot of people say to me, uh, well, what if they leave? And it's like, well they're going to leave anyway at some point, but wouldn't you rather them leave on good terms so they're still acting as your advocate? You know? Exactly, exactly. You only need to yeah. worry about them taking clients if they leave on bad terms, right. in which case, you know that's going to be the least of your worries. You've got other things to worry about.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. That, that's the way that I generally coach that whenever I'm talking about even top performers is you know, if you don't feel like you have a place for them to grow, you still need to invest in them because they're probably gonna leave either way. The question is, do they leave saying, Yeah, that last place really didn't help me develop? Or are they saying, I just I can't be more appreciative of this this person that I worked for and the way that they helped me and even helped me launch into my new career and helped, you know, set me up to succeed in the future. To your point, how much more are they going to sing your praises about what you did for them, even if they're not working for you anymore? than if they leave and say, well, I'm glad I got the experience, but, and they really didn't help me a whole lot in, in yeah. kind of my long-term career. So yeah, you're exactly right. They're going to leave either way. The question is, under what terms are they going to leave? And maybe how quickly, because there's a lot of loyalty that can be built with someone that knows that you are investing in them and you're trying to help them. And, um, you know, something, I want to give a quick illustration to what you're talking about there with LinkedIn. Uh, A friend of mine, his wife just went through the same thing. So she was big into and is big into servant leadership and talking about servant leadership. And she started leveraging LinkedIn just to share more information and and put information out there about servant leadership and what that looks like and why we need to do it and how we need to invest in the people around us. And um, over the course of just a couple of years of her kind of using that as her personal soapbox to talk about this. she was uh, just recently, within the last few months, uh, she was presented with a job offer, not because she had a resume out there, not because she was telling everybody, hey, I'm, I'm looking for a change. I'm looking for something different. She's been with this company for 15 or 20 years. She just had been like, this is what I believe. This is what I think. This is what I know. And it didn't have anything to do with her industry. It just had to do with the leadership side. And she got this incredible job offer. In fact, just started a couple of weeks ago, um, an incredible job offer. Because of that, because somebody at that company started watching her stuff, following her, got to know her, asked her to come visit, uh, saw met her at a conference, you know, and just one thing after another over the course of a couple of years, they were saying, "We believe in everything that you're saying, and you are the type of person that we want leading this team," and um, and it it had to do with her just being honest and transparent about who she is, what she believes, and using that as an opportunity a platform to share that information out. Um, without it being, you know, she wasn't trying to sell anything. She wasn't trying to get people to, there was nothing about that. It was just, this is my platform to share and, and share my personality out there. So you're exactly right. Cause you, you put that into a model of a business owner where you actually are able to then help and monetize and, 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 and create a profit from what people are hearing and want the opportunity to work with you. It can really do amazing things if you use the platform correctly. So I think that's some great information, and, and, and you're right—a great place to start there with uh, just the profile and making sure that it makes sense and it speaks to people in the right way.
1: Just on the on the profile piece, um, you know, because we're we're talking to companies, especially in a B two B environment. If you're um, if you're a consultant or you're very very small, like micro business, it's like you know, so sort of one to three people within the business. Then have make sure that you do have a company page, but. Your company page is essentially just a landing page. So if people find it, um, you know, you can back up the fact that you have a company. It's a real thing. It has branding. It has, you know, content. Right. If you're a larger business, if you're in marketing, or if you're the business owner, if you're a larger business, you want to have a company page. But again, you want to kind of like use twenty percent of your effort to keep that company page up to date and start and provoke conversations, highlight the work that your staff are doing, highlight the work that your clients are doing, highlight the work that your partners, your agency distributors and people like that are doing, but then empower your employees and your partners to be talking about your company and your brand, but really elevating the employees. So it's that employee advocacy model, because again, people do business with people and people like to communicate with a face, a real person, you know, We're moving into a different way of doing business, into a different way of doing sales, where it's all about the people. You know, It's not so much about the faceless brands anymore. People right. want to know the people behind the companies. Yeah. People want to know who's leading the company. People want to know the stories behind these companies. And you can really use LinkedIn as a way to, to showcase all of that and develop that further.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's excellent. Excellent advice. Great thoughts, um, Charlie. Well, I, I really appreciate your time. I love your story and um, appreciate you sharing with us uh, some some tips to help us better market ourselves, better market our companies, and and understand the way that our customers and clients think, so that we know how to get that message out there. Um, if people want to know more about you and the things that you're doing, how can we get in
1: touch? The best place to get in touch with me is via LinkedIn. So just Charlie Wyman. So that's Charlie with an I-E, Wyman, W-H-Y-M-A-N. Um, and the reason why I say that, I do have a website, which is charliewyman.com. There's loads of stuff on there at the moment, but I am going through a bit of a rebrand. So very soon, the, the website Curious B2B Marketing will be born and lots of good stuff will be on there. So... Probably at the point where you're listening to this, it's not there, but it will be. Um, So yeah, charliewoman.com, my LinkedIn profile. And also I do have my own podcast called The Curiosity Key, where I interview business leaders and change makers about kind of what's working for them. But also because I'm fascinated in technology, we talk a lot about technology too. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just my way of sharing with the world the cool things that are going on. So.
0: Good, good. Well, thank you so much. I really do uh, appreciate uh, everything that you're doing. I appreciate the way that you're helping these business leaders get their message out there in a way that helps them grow and thrive. Um, thank you for everything you're doing. We'll make sure to put a link uh, to those sites that you mentioned uh, in the show notes so people can check those out. Charlie, again, just thank you so much for taking the time today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for joining us on the Employer Blueprint Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show to receive the latest episodes. For more information on how Employer Blueprint can help build great teams in your business, visit employerblueprint.com. Or to inquire about Kyle speaking at your next event, visit kylegorman.com. And until next time, make it a great day. Today's episode was produced by just you marketing for all of your podcast needs. Just You Marketing has you covered. Be sure to hit the subscribe button before you leave today and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you and you could reach us at podcast at employerblueprint.com.